Mr. Consus, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm doing very well, man. You? Awesome. Doing great. So um, we were just talking about a number of things, but one thing we were talking about was uh, tropics and climates. So uh, without doxing where you are, you are in a very cold location. Um, you know, how I, I think the question is, like, how do you enjoy the seasons? Like, how do the seasons affect you? How do they change the way that you behave? You know, maybe your behaviors, even your diet. Are you into that whole seasonal living, seasonal eating um, niche? Yeah, I mean, I do my best. I, I think in Canada, um, you know, we're it's pretty it's, it's definitely cold here. And when it comes to seasonals, I mean, you get it all. I mean, the, the biggest season here is winter. So you're spending eight months uh, under cold, dark, gloomy weather. So, you know, unfortunately, the, 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 the case of the matter is when it's sunny, you try to get as much sun as you can, even though it doesn't feel as good. Uh, but I've, I've definitely started using a lot of light. So like red light therapy, I've invested in a spurty lamp too, just to like make sure I'm getting the adequate levels of UVB. Um, but you know, it's still, I've just come to accept, you know, as a, as a Canadian, you learn to accept that you have to kind of build that grit. It's almost like a, a callus where it's like, okay, we know every winter we're going to go through this biological and physiological turmoil. And you do your best to kind of stay afloat. Um, you know, I see it drastically just in the way people are driving, you know, versus summer versus winter here. It's like you could tell that people are not getting sun and the dopamine levels are so low that, um, you know, you, there's no there isn't that like that uh, that snappiness that people's driving. They're just like zombies at the wheel. And that's what I've realized, like living here all my life is if you don't really take advantage of the summertime and get outside and do what's necessary and build up that reserve you're absolutely screwed in the winter time so the other you know possibility in the way i kind of avoid this is i give myself some breaks so i commit and say look it's winter the seasons are going to suck here i got to try to get out as much as i can and get to somewhere where it's sunny and warm just to recharge the batteries but you know canadians are very tough people as, as much as like on social media were made fun of for, for so many different things, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when it comes to living, um, you know, we, we, we get outside in the winter, I ski a lot. I just try to be outside regardless of the temperature and, and just, you know, live my life. But food wise, it's, it's not easy. I can tell you, it's definitely not easy. Like I'm a, I'm a Mediterranean blooded person. So my instinct is to want to eat, you know, like a Mediterranean would all year round, but it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not simple here for sure. Do you notice your cravings change with the seasons? <sighs> Back in the day. Yeah. Um, and I think it was because I just wasn't, you know, I was trying my best to, to eat, uh, the way I should. I felt like back in my previous career, I was working as a sales rep. So there was a lot of stress. Um, you know, back in those days I was kind of grabbing what I could. Now I'm home all the time you know, working on this consulting practice. So like I have the flexibility to really program my day and give my body what it needs to function. So it, it's a struggle regardless, but, um, you know, I think there, once you have the strategy, once you build these good foundations, your routine, you can take the punches. That's, you know, I'm a big believer in that. It's like, we got to build up that resiliency no matter what. 
hundred percent. That's the whole point of health in my yeah. opinion, but I feel you on that. And you know, it gives me flashbacks to when I was growing up in, you know, a horrible climate, right? Minnesota was awful and how drastically different life was yeah. from the summer to the winter and that polarity. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people online and they're saying, you know, cold temperatures, cold climates breed strong people. They breed resilient people. They breed great people. And I a hundred percent agree with that. I don't think that I would be who I am if I didn't grow up in the fucking Arctic hellhole. But, um, you know, it was really tough and it was tough on me as a kid. And looking back on it, I was like, why would I ever go through this again? And using some of those tools, even in early ages, like the happy light and, you know, even going so far as to going to tanning booths to get some of that UV exposure. Um, you know, I, I don't think I can do it again, but I do think it's important. I think especially when you grew up in it, especially when you're haplotype, you know, encodes you for those type of environments. I mean, you're Mediterranean, so you should probably be on the coast right now, but I, I'm pretty sure I come from, from mountain dwellers. So um, I'm actually going to try to do that. I'm going to go up north for like a few weeks this winter and get some of that in as well. But um, yeah, it's good. I mean, I guess, you know, you're saying you're staying there for, you know, a number of reasons, but do you ever see yourself moving somewhere entirely tropical or do you think that's just not compatible with uh, who you are or your uh, biology? Honestly, I feel that it, you know, I spent a month in Greece and I noticed like this, this past summer I was there for a month, you know, even here in, in Canada, I mean, in the, in the summer, it could be really gloomy. It could be really rainy. So just having sun guaranteed morning to night, every day, getting that salt water, you know, getting, uh, getting the seafood that's fresh from the sea, you know, the things with the beauty about Greece and a lot of countries in Europe is there's a lot, you know, there's a lot less middlemen, there's a lot less poisons in the food. So you just feel much, much better on general because you're eating well and the environment's way better. But, um, I definitely could see myself, you know, at one point when, you know, I, you know, at a certain point, if I, my parents aren't here anymore and, you know, we kind of don't have these like strong roots as much as we do now here, I could definitely see myself being away from the winter for the rest of my life. Like I, I, I would, you know, I, it was such a struggle growing up because, you know, you're just told you, you're, you're growing up and you don't really know. You're like, oh, this is my home. Like, this is what I'm supposed to feel like. Um, I was very sick growing up, like very, very sick. My immune system was garbage. I developed an autoimmune disease at like 13 years old in my eyes, um, you know, nearly went blind and doctors couldn't tell me what the hell was going on. So, and I think you know, that wasn't just a part of the environment. It had to probably do with just the lifestyle that I was living, the foods that my parents were giving, you know, feeding us, the, the processed stuff, the glyphosate and that food. So, you know, I think I, the, the, what, what's great. And I think I'm, I'm feeling blessed about is all these challenges that I went through in my life and living in a harsh climate that isn't optimized for my haplotype gave me the tools and the knowledge to build who I am today and be able to help people get out of the holes that they're in right now, health wise, um, you know, and, and kind of relate to, you know, the situation that they're going through, because let's be honest, in a perfect world, we would all love to live by the beach, by the sun, uh, you know, less stress, less EMFs, less, uh, noise from the cities, but, um, you know, society has, uh, has evolved in a certain way that, um, you almost have to escape society to be in that kind of environment. So, uh, you know, going back to that Canadian thing, like, I think it's important to always build that grit regardless, you know, you should understand there's going to be that hormesis in your environment, wherever you go, 
but in the end, you know, I, you know, personally, I would love to be outside the winter for the rest of my life and just be by the sea. It should be a better life for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, you bring up a good point there. We live in this inherently unnatural world, right? Yeah. And a lot of people try to completely, you know, um, dispel it, right? And I don't think that's the way to do it. I don't think going full Ted Kaczynski is how you succeed in this world, right? I, I don't think it's going to accomplish any goals that you may want. And I think you have to ask, like, what are your goals, right? Do you want success? Do you want happiness? Do you want fulfillment? But um, I realized that too, because, you know, I wanted to, to completely check out. That was always my objective was I wanted to be, you know, like in the jungle, completely checked out from society. But I, I did that. And almost immediately, I was like, this isn't it. Like, we have a natural desire to compete with our peers. We have a natural desire to become part of something, right? And yeah. to be providers and to contribute to a greater good. And I realized that. And I really think a true well-lived life is the ability to go and live that carefree, disconnected beach lifestyle while still competing in that modern world. And that's something that I'm currently trying to figure out how to do because I, I sometimes get caught up. And I do think that the tropics breed complacency. And I think that if you're living on the beach and having a good time, you have no motivation to do things like this. I mean, I got to this place still in the tropics, but like a lot more structured. And immediately it's like, let's go, go, go. You know, let's set up more podcasts. Let's do stuff. Let's contribute. But it's interesting to hear about your experiences with an autoimmune disorder growing up. And they're very interesting. I've never heard of an autoimmune disorder that attacked the eyes. Well, maybe I have. I think Fetty Wap had that. Um, not, not even joking. I'm pretty sure that was what it was. But, you know, I'm sure that was a really big factor in terms of how you approached health. And I like the way that you approach it, where a lot of people could be down, down bad, like down in their luck, blame it on their environment, blame it on their parents. But, you know, looking at that as the contributor to what got you so deep into health, how did that like when did that start and when did you shift from kind of just experiencing that to taking control over that and utilizing it as a learning experience? Oh, my God, there was, you know, there was a few steps. I mean, going back to that childhood um, at the end of it, I was spending, you know, five years of my life and my teens just going back and forth from hospitals, seeing, you know, the, uh, the specialists and everything. And at the end of it all, like after putting cortisone drops in my eyes and night and day, multiple times a day, I developed cataracts at like 16 years old, got mm -hmm. surgery. And for me, like, you know, the, the cherry on top of the Sunday from that experience is, you know, after doing the surgeries, after doing all that stuff um, and seeing the specialist for the final time, he's like, look, man, like all the blood work shows that, you know, we don't know where this came from. You, you know, just so you know, you might have to develop, you might develop Crohn's or rheumatoid arthritis because, you know, autoimmune diseases can, you know, evolve into something else down the line. He's like, if that happens, well, it's because you had this as a kid. Good luck kind of thing. So that left a sour taste in my mouth um, and started the, you know, the, it was the, the first domino that kind of made me start questioning the system is like, is this really what it's all about? But fast forward, you know, a decade later, um, I'm working as a, as a sales rep in the pharmaceutical industry and went through a significant burnout. So at 26 years old, I completely lost my libido. Um, you can imagine, a, a guy, you know, I think you're probably that age now. Losing your, your libido completely um, is uh, one of the scariest things you could go through. Uh, and, you know, at that point I was getting very desperate. I was in a very, really bad relationship too. And it was just like, everything was kind of crumbling around me, you know, other than the job, the job was going very well. So I decided like, okay, I am feeling like crap. 
Uh, I went to go see the MDs. They were just like, oh, man, it's all in your head. Don't worry about it. Like, just take it easy. You know, like the usual, like the blood work was perfect, right? So I just knew deep down in my heart, like something is wrong here. Like, I can't just accept, like, I don't feel like who I usually am. There's something that I need to address here. So I, I, I was already very open-minded to functional medicine at that point. I, I learned a lot from Charles Poliquin. Um, he was kind of the guy that like was the stepping stone to what I'm doing now. And, you know, I was curious about supplementation. So I ended up going to see, you know, I, I came at the fork of the road was like, okay, like either I'm going to get medicated and sedated for the rest of my life. And that's going to be who I am, or maybe get on an SSRI, or I'm going to find a natural way to solve this. And I decided to go the natural route. I worked with a natural path. He gave me some ashwagandha. Looking back, I kind of wish he did it, but it, it worked in that case, you know, and some rhodiola. And within two to three days, I felt like a brand new man. And I was like, holy smokes, like, why didn't my doctors ever tell me that I had, you know, there was natural alternatives that were safe and completely effective if used properly. So, it, you know, that was kind of like the, the, the shifting point in my whole perspective of health. And I'm like, there is a whole world that I don't really understand yet. I kind of have heard whispers of it, but I want to go look deeper. And that's where I kind of transitioned uh, my whole career and got the opportunity to work at a functional medicine company that was selling dietary supplements, but also teaching doctors lifestyle medicine. So it was like the stars aligned. I was sick. The stars aligned. I found this opportunity to build a skill and get paid for it, you know, in the corporate world. And that's where I started to shine, you know, really about who I was, what I had learned in school. Like I always, you know, I had two bachelors, one in kinesiology and one in biology. And I'm like, okay, well, I have all this information in here. What the fuck am I going to do with it now? You know, and this job just gave me the, the ability to live my ENFP life, which is a dot connector and just connect all the dots and all the things that I had learned about the human body. Uh, you know, it, it all just started coming together. And, uh, you know, I was blessed to be able to build this consulting practice over the back of, you know, the, the knowledge and the information I was learning from a company that was at the forefront of changing the way medicine is being practiced in the United States. So um, it was just, you know, my story is pretty much the stars aligning, me being in the situation where, like, I got to make a shift and, uh, you know, taking action and just using that as as my growing, you know, my 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 path for growth, essentially. Yeah, that, that is such an interesting progression, you yeah. know, and I think it's so ironic to you going from having those issues as a child and then going and working in the pharmaceutical industry. And then, you know, I love that you bring up the exact compounds and herbs that were like the big eye opener for you. I had those as well, you know, after going through the pharmacological hellhole that your primary care provider usually uses as first line of defense, I found ginkgo biloba. And the idea that an herb out of all things could change my cognition, change the way that I think, change the way that I speak was so mind boggling to me. And to my day, to this day, it's my, it's my favorite compound. I actually have some in the kitchen. I might go take some, but um, that's really interesting. Now I I'm curious too, like you ended up in pharmaceuticals. Was that just like a uh, opportunity? I, I know we know like pharma sales is like a huge, huge business and like an incredible career, but like, do you think there was any like subconscious programming for you to veer towards that? Well, I suppose you did have a degree in biology, so that yeah. makes sense there. Yeah, it was, you know, 
growing up with a boomer father and boomer parents, I mean, they, you know, in that world, it's like, oh, you're either a doctor or you're a pharmacist or you're this, you know, professional. So once I didn't get into med school, I was like, okay, what's the next place where I could possibly develop this world where I could work in the health sphere? And so the, obviously the number one place that people choose is going to be the pharmaceutical industry because one, the pay is good. Two, it's like, what you think health is all about when you're not aware right so it was it was just a it was just a timing thing where it's like you know i i needed to i was fed up with school i had done two bachelors i said you know i have all this knowledge i want to start applying it and seeing what i could build for myself uh, at that time i was doing a lot of self-development learning sales like i just had a knack for sales i think that came from uh you know a whole slew of things you know especially uh cruising women and just like, you know, it was just part of my life. Like that's just who I was growing up. And I was like, okay, like it dovetails perfectly into who I, who I, I am naturally plus uh, what sphere I want to be in. So I just took that opportunity. I was like open-minded about it. I wasn't, you know, I didn't feel like I was going to be in the pharmaceutical industry all my life, but it just seemed like the right fit to maybe gain some skills. And you know, every time somebody comes to talk to me now, like, and ask me about entrepreneurship and how I started this, I'm like, I always recommend, like, you should try to get into a sphere or get somebody to pay you to learn something that you're passionate about and develop those skills. And then off the back of that knowledge and off the back of, you know, somebody else, you could build your own thing. And if that's what you want, right? Some people just like being in a very structured, structured corporate world. That was just never for me. Like I always had, I was trying to find ways to escape the system all my life. And that's probably after the whole experience with my health, it was just like the system felt broken to me um, from a young age. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, no, that's so true. And it all comes down to self-awareness. You're obviously very self-aware, you know, your personality type and you know who you are. So it makes it easier to make those decisions that are you know, atypical, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I do think a lot of people do thrive in that nine to five environment and that's completely okay, yeah. right? And I think that's great. And we see so many people with incredible life outcomes doing a traditional path. Yeah. You also brought up a good point about our parents, right? Our parents had a much more structured and less open understanding of career and lifestyle, right? Because that's the environment they grew up in. And more importantly, they grew up in a very similar environment as our grandparents. So since we have the advent of the internet, since we're digital natives, you know, they can't even comprehend. My parents probably still don't understand what I'm doing. But um, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's really important to get paid to learn. And, you know, a lot of people will take these jobs and they'll start fizzling out once they stop learning. So I've noticed that, you know, with my business and I'd get to a point where I'm just going in and doing the motions and I lose all lust for life. And it's like, oh, I'm not learning. Like, obviously, I need to incorporate something new. So that's really, really important. Now, I think something we discussed earlier is the importance of having change. And you were talking about how you need to switch things up. You need to kind of pursue new things. I see you doing that a lot in the health space as well in terms of research and things that you're digging into. You know, and I love it because you go through, like I do, like these almost hyper-focused periods where like at this point in time, you're obsessed with, you know, it, it comes down to even organs, right? Organs or pathologies. Yeah. Um, what has that progression been? Like, where did it start? Like for me, it started with just, simple like brain, like brain neurotransmitters. And then it went down to like gut health and then it went to my liver. And now I'm at my lymphatic system and then they all interconnect. What did that progression look like for you? What was your first like obsessive organ or your obsessive <laughs> pathology? 
You know what's funny, bro? It's like, it's actually was the same thing as you. Like my whole obsession was all, all neurotransmitters. Why? It's because stress and sleep were my biggest weak points. And I read the book, uh, The Edge Effect from Dr. Eric Braverman. And that was, I would say, probably the first book that just changed my whole perspective on, on health in general. I mean, I was learning a lot about the foundations of functional medicine, the gut health stuff, the uh, adrenal stuff, but it wasn't until I nailed down my understanding of neurochemistry and how these neurochemicals play such a huge role. I mean, the brain is the master organ, right? So if you can optimize neurochemistry, well, you can op optimize everything downstream from digestion using acetylcholine to uh, you know, sleep and stress using GABA. Um, you know, I, 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 for me, it was the, the, the biggest eye opener and the beauty about his stuff. Um, he uh, created this way of calculating, you know, based on questionnaires, the, the, the concentration of each, the four main neurotransmitters that he talks about are GABA, acetylcholine, dopamine, and serotonin. And so he kind of, uh, groups people into their different concentration of these neurochemicals and it affects a whole, you know, it basically affects the whole personality, their whole character. So I had a lot of good time connecting dots with, you know, that concept. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it was, it was really good because, you know, it got me to that biohacking mentality where it's like, oh, all I got to do is work on these neurotransmitters and fuel the body with these nutrients that's going to boost these things. And then everything's going to kind of fall into place. But as time went by, I was like, okay, well, you know, it works, but I don't want to be the guy who does green pharma and has to have people rely on supplementation to have the functioning brain um, or, you know, any other aspect of their health. So um, it eventually progressed uh, to gut health because um, I actually was bit by a tick last year. Um, yeah, it was, it was bad. I mean, it, I, I was bit by a tick. I blew my back like a few months later, I was like bedridden for a month for almost two months. Um, and then after that, I just couldn't get back to where I was like, my sleep was good, but I just felt like my energy was messed up. I felt lethargic. Um, I felt like I had aged like crazy after that tick bite. Um, this is after, you know, COVID and everything here in Canada, like they disallowed anybody who wasn't vaccinated from going to the gym. So like there was like a good year where I didn't have access to the gym, to my usual routine. Everything was kind of uh, up in the air. And then I got bit by this tick. You know, that's nothing to be joked around with. I mean, when you're bitten by a tick, these are ectoparasites. Guaranteed, I got, I, I contracted something. Was it Lyme disease? I don't think so. I think it was just another parasite. And, you know, I think I was the, the parasite that accumulated all my life, but this was like the, the tipping stone that really changed everything. And so for six, seven months, I was really, really sick. I just didn't feel like on top of my game. Um, and I was doing everything to, to the T, right? Like I was eating right. I was training. I was back at the gym. I was doing what I had to do, but I just felt like I was older. And I was like, man, like, I'm like, I'm just turning 35 this year. Like I'm not that old. Like I shouldn't have slowed down this much. And then I came in contact with a good friend of mine um, who was, you know, in my books, the epitome of health. This guy was training twice a day, uh, you know, trainer himself, eating perfectly, never ate any scrap food. Like he was always on top of his game. 
And then he had also been bitten by a tick and drank river water maybe like a year before that, or maybe six months before I got bit by a tick. And over the year, dude, he started going schizophrenic. He started, he lost his gym. He lost everything. And the doctors couldn't tell him like what the hell was going on. They're like, we don't know what's going on. They gave him a, a psychotropic drug. It made him worse. And he was just losing his mind. Like he was suicidal. Like he wanted to end his life. And luckily at some point he came across this gut seminar where they started talking about parasites and he got introduced to this company called Cellcore Biosciences. Um, I'm sure you know them, but um, dude, this guy is like, uh, he heard about them. He, it just resonated with them. He was like us. He's just a very intuitive guy. And he bought their whole protocol and did the whole protocol in a month. (laughs) So like six months worth of supplements, he, was just yeah. like shoving down these capsules in his body. And he got rid of, like, he ended up showing me a picture. So he told me this whole story and he showed me a picture of a, of a worm that literally the size of my forearm that came out of his body. He was blowing out larvae from his nose. So basically what he came to the conclusion is that the parasites had entered his brain, got into his head, and those were the, the root causes of his mental, of his mental illness. And after I saw this parasite, like that was the biggest red pull moment of my life that changed everything, my whole perspective of health. And I was like, man, like neurotransmitters are great. Like they're, they're just like the cherry on top of the sundae, but like what causes these, these neurotransmitters to get fucked up? Well, it's gut health. And what's a big factor in people's gut health that we're not talking about enough is parasitic infections. Like. His case is very peculiar. I mean, he did drink water. He did get bit by a tick, but you know, there's, there are parasites in our ecosystem. You, you know, you're very well, well versed in this stuff. I mean, they've been here longer than we have. They live with us. Like we joined their, their environment. So to come to this conclusion, like Western medicine has where it's like, oh, we live in a Western world. There's no problems with parasites. They don't affect our gut. They don't affect our health. Um, uh, you know, I've been seeing it continuously in my own life. So, you know, I started going down that own rabbit hole. I started doing the protocols. I started doing the parasite cleanses. And literally, those were the only things that changed my life permanently. Where it's like, really? I did this gut work and I healed my gut properly and got rid of the white noise in my body. And then all of a sudden, like magic, bro. It was just like my brain started thinking the way it should. I started having that energy again that I was like, always felt like I was lacking. And so I went from biohacking neurotransmitters to literally working on the terrain of the body and working it from all angles, whether it be parasites, whether it be mold, whether it be heavy metals. Um, I believe that a lot of us are kind of putting the cart before the horse these days. It's like we're trying to biohack ourselves out of uh, an unstable terrain. So it's, you know, it'll work, but then you'll constantly, the body will constantly revert back to its broken state. So, you know, that was kind of my transition on and where I'm really at right now in my, in my, in my journey of, of, of what I'm doing is really about what's called foundational medicine. And that's what, you know, in my opinion, I've been, I've seen so many companies. I was in the sphere for, you know, for five, six years. So I know the industry. I think cell core biosciences is at the forefront of probably something that's going to dramatically change the health of the world at one point. I mean, fulvic acid and the way they formulate their products. I mean, 
there's nobody else that's doing this. So, um, you know, I love doing what I do. I love seeing my clients change their lives by healing their gut themselves. And it's just, it's constantly like confirmation that like, okay, like this is where it's at. Like the other stuff is at the end, you know, the, the neurotransmitters is at the end where you know, the gut is in a healthy state, not the opposite. Yeah. I mean, it's so common. It's human nature to want to jump to conclusions, right? And we look at things like neurochemical imbalances and our immediate action, our immediate reaction is like, this is the culprit, yeah. right? Because we want that scapegoat. We want that thing that is causing our pain to just be identified. That's why, you know, we always target people. We always target, you know, any sort of problem. It's the food, it's the water, yeah. it's the EMFs. But in reality, that's oftentimes a downstream effect of something more foundational, which is interesting. And that's crazy. We always hear those stories about these giant worms coming out of people. But we also have to understand that, like, as you know, a lot of parasites are microscopic. Exactly. So you may be having those and you maybe do a cleanse, but you may not see anything. That doesn't mean they're not still there. I find it incredibly interesting. I've had pretty like nasty experiences with parasites as well, trichinosis in particular, mm. you know, from having raw pork in Vietnam and my life drastically changing after that, my brain changing after that and me spending months months and months and even years trying to come to conclusions about what happened in that context. Now, I believe that there's a culmination factor. There's always a culmination effect. And oftentimes symptoms are very broad ranging. When your body's under distress, when your body is facing some sort of challenge, it's going to set off alarms. And those alarms are oftentimes similar, regardless of, you know, outcomes. But, you know, something that's interesting as well here in that people need to understand, like, why is there such a prevalence of parasites? Like, this idea of ancestral living of, oh, we'd always be exposed to these parasites. You know, I think people have to understand that we do have natural parasite defense mechanisms. But when we are in suboptimal states, when we're under states of constant stress, those are completely inhibited, right? If our guts are all destroyed, right, from if our entire digestive process is destroyed, those salivary enzymes that are meant to be antiparasitic and antipathogenic aren't going to be produced to the level of efficacy. If our stomach acid or our bile production is not optimal, we're not going to be able to create an environment uninhabitable for parasites. So I'm curious, you know, in your experience, and you've obviously worked with a lot of people in this as well, like, what is the first kind of, I, I wouldn't say first step, but like, what is your understanding of, you know, who is most at risk? Like, what are the risk factors involved with, uh, you know, parasitic infections? And I'm sure that also correlates with a number of other, th other things, including heavy metals. And we can discuss the heavy metal and parasite connection as well. But like, what is kind of your prognosis process yeah i mean you know there's there's a few factors in people's lives that they could do you know they could be experiencing that will lead to this for example people that have pet that let their dogs kiss them uh you know lick their face uh people that swim in lakes like lakes are you know lakes and rivers are very very common sites of these downstream you know a, a, an animal will poop at the bottom of the, the lake or at the top of the stream and it'll go into the water and you're swimming in there, this stuff could literally find an orifice in your body and make it into your body, into your brain, into your, your reproductive system in certain situations. So I think, you know, I always kind of, when I get to working with people and they're coming to me with like chronic insomnia, um, my instinct right now is to assume like there's probably a parasitic infection here because when they have, when you have parasites, a big thing that gets affected is your sleep because these microorganisms are most active at night when we're trying to sleep. They're eating, they're moving around. Um, you know, I also try to like, you know, hear from them if they notice, you know, this is something that doesn't really always hit, but like if they notice during full moons that their mood is really off or they're just not feeling good, 
you know, there's there's so many different factors. I mean, really, uh, pets are a big factor for me. Um, eating raw salmon, raw fish, a lot of sushi is another factor. Uh, even meat sometimes, you know, there's there's uh, you know there's 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 a lot of parasites in uncooked meat. So, you know, like you said before, it's not about just you know being ultra scared and avoiding these things at all costs. You have your own natural defense mechanisms that are there to protect you, your stomach acid, your immune system. Um, but what I've noticed with a lot of people that are just burnt out, well, you know, this kind of just exacerbates the issue because they've burnt themselves out already. Their immune system is, you know, their mitochondrial function is completely destroyed. Their energy is down. And then these opportunistic infections just get worse and worse and worse. And, you know, you have they don't actually deal with it. So a lot of people are trying to like, uh, the best metaphor I always explain to my clients is like a lot of people when they're struggling with this stuff, they're just fanning the smoke. They're, they see that there's a smoke, you know, they're, they're not sleeping well, they're stressed out, they just don't feel good, their energy is low. So they start supplementing all these things to try to raise their energy and try to, you know, it, you know get their, their stress under control. But if you keep fanning the smoke, but you don't extinguish the fire and figure out where this fire is coming from, um, you know, it's, you, you, you're basically reverting to what's called green pharma and you're using supplements instead of medications to fan that smoke. So I'm just a guy, it's like everybody that's coming to see me, they've done a whole lot of fanning of the smoke. And I try to help them understand, like, until the terrain of your body is optimized and if there's any possible co-infections, whether it be mold, uh, or parasites or heavy metals or whatever there is, um, you know, in their body. If they're not dealt with, well, you're always going to be playing catch up. It's kind of like you're trying to roll upstream without a paddle. The, 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 the river's going to keep flowing, but you're just not going to get anywhere. So I'm the guys like, let's build your natural defenses. Let's get these, this mitochondrial function up. Let's get your immune system working. At the same time, let's assess. You know, there are different, definitely ways to assess whether somebody has a parasite. Um, the thing is, most of the time, the testing is really garbage. Um, there's a lot of false negatives. These things are very, very resilient to uh, being detected. So I'm just of the, of the camp of like, if you've never addressed these in your life, um, it's worth giving a shot, especially if you're struggling with your sleep, especially if you're struggling with your stress, because these squatters are basically just robbing you. You could be doing everything right on paper. You could be eating the best foods. You could be drinking the best water. You could be doing all the right habits. But if you're losing 30% of your nutrients to these pathogens, well, it's like you're, you're missing a big chunk of your potential progress. And the thing is also, it's like what I've seen very frequently with a lot of people is how these defense, these defenses actually get weakened too, is some of the, a lot of them have previous mold exposure and mold exposure. Actually, when you breathe th these mold spores in, they go into your body and they cause this chronic inflammation, which potentiates the mitochondrial dysfunction and then rewires how your entire immune system works. So it's like, it starts with a mold thing and then eventually their body loses its defenses and then other pathogens can come in candida, whatever, whatever gets through and they grow, divide and multiply and they cause an imbalance in the ecosystem. And it, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's never just one thing. And I always tell it to my clients, it's like, there's not just, when it comes to healing, it's not going to be just one thing you do, one product you do, one habit you build, that's going to change the, the game for you. It's big picture stuff. And for me, terrain medicine is really about big picture. It's really about the connection between 
how your body is draining itself, cleaning itself out at the same time, how well this immune system is working and the symphony between all these systems is what's going to play the biggest role in your long-term vitality. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's about, uh, connecting the dots here. And I think that's what traditional medicine is kind of struggling to do at this point, because we get very hyper-focused and people get, you know, these practitioners are very hyper-specialized in certain things. And if nothing comes up on their testing, well, they're at a complete loss. So, um, why I love what I'm doing, man, it's like, I feel like where medicine has left off, well, this kind of philosophy comes in and, and really helps people change their lives, to be honest. I couldn't agree more. And you brought up a really good point about experts and practitioners, especially in the modern day, the level of depth that they're required to go into almost disqualifies them from being able to have any breadth. And the longer that you look at things from one lens, the more and more that becomes your entire reality. So you talk to any expert and I'll see this a lot when I'm, you know, listening to experts speak with another expert and the incompatibility between those two domains, they're completely siloed, which is so dangerous. And I was always so frustrated with this. And I do also believe that the institution that creates specialists is very non, um, non-inclusive to the more non-linear thinkers, right? Like non-linear thinking is a personality trait. You have it. I have it. The ability to connect those dots. And it's probably one of the most difficult things that I see in terms of, you know, finding solutions to anything is the ability to have breadth and the ability to have depth is very almost orthogonal, right? It's almost non-compatible. And, you know, that's why I think it's so important to be in an ecosystem and environment where you have a lot of specialists coming together with open minds to be able to make all those connections. And, you know, another interesting thing in terms of the whole parasite thing is a lot of cultures have, you know, biannual parasite cleanses, right? A lot of these compounds that we know of have been utilized for generations as antiparasitics, right? As purging agents, you know, ayahuasca, for example, that started out not as a psychedelic, it started out as a a purging agent. And, you know, I also do my biannual cleanses after that experience in Thailand, you know, I think it's just, it's necessary. And also looking at my lifestyle, right, where I'm eating a lot of raw fish, I'm in very, you know, tropical environments where parasites tend to flourish. I find it incredibly important. Now, I I also like that you brought up the opportunistic nature of pathogens, right? And that's just the reality of, you know, every organism is they're opportunistic. And if you are currently dealing with some other form of infection, right, your immune system only has so many biological XP points to attribute to certain infections uh, that offers, offers an opportunity for these parasites to come in and limes and mold in particular, very interesting with those stealth pathogens, because your immune system is going around wreaking havoc, letting its guard down in other areas as well. Now, uh, we talk about, I love that word green pharma. I find that incredible. And I see that to be the case, right? It's like, ah, pharma is horrible. Let me just go take these other pills that are natural for the rest of my life. When you're looking at, you know, parasite cleanses, and I I know that that word is kind of a, a misnomer because it's really more of a lifestyle intervention. It's really more of a foundational approach to improving your defenses. You know, is that all um, herbal? Is that all naturopathic? Or do you think that there is merit to some of these larger pharmaceutical antiparasitics like say ivermectin? Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there, there, there's obviously two camps here. I mean, there's some people that go strictly down the medicinal route. They go with the fenbendazole, they go with the ivermectin. Um, I'm more of the camp, it's like, why go with the nuclear bomb right off the bat where 
when you can just use herbs that have been used for thousands of years, you know, these herbs like black, you know, black walnut, for example, or neem leaf or whatever, whatever, you know, artemisian. I mean, these have been used for thousands of years. And, you know, going back to what you said, I mean, there were indigenous, you know, tribes that understood, they didn't understand that were parasites, but they knew that there was some sort of issue uh, when they would eat the raw meat or when they would eat their food and they would, it would cause illness. So this idea of dealing with, you know, pathogens like parasites is nothing new. This has been treated by, even though, even, I, you know, even uh, the first doctors in ancient Greece talked about parasites. So we've always known they've existed. Now it's like, we've kind of put them under the rug and we assume that, oh, we're just sophisticated Westerners and there's no issue here. Um, so it, it's almost become like backwards where we're just ignoring the, the potential root cause of these things. And we're just trying to mask things with med medications or even supplements at the same time. And like, I, I feel the same, you know, it feels like even functional medicine, a lot of the time is missing, missing out on this stuff. Like they talk about healing the gut, but like, you know, I was in the sphere for five years. Nobody was talking really about parasites or even the effects of mold. You know, candida was super popular, but you know, candida is still downstream from what mold and, and parasites and heavy metals are going to do in your body. So, um, you know, it's like, if you really want to truly heal and you really want to get to the bottom of your health struggles and give your body a fighting chance, well, you got to go to these foundations. You got to go deep here. And, you know, dealing with these pathogens and these opportunistic pathogens, you know, these pathogens that create an opportunistic environment for other pathogens to flourish, um, they need to be dealt with first. So, you know, we've known that we know they exist there. There's plenty of studies out there, um, you know, that some of them that are even showing like Toxoplasma gondii that are lethal to an unborn fetus. And we know there's dangers to these things, but again like it's hard to connect those dots in a scientific way that people can be like oh this is 100 percent confirmed so um you know this is why i feel like my brain plays a good you know good role in this is that like i have people coming in to tell me you know what's going on and uh we you know i ask them questions that none of their doctors have asked them and then we create this nice you know we, we really make this nice image in this right this nice journey that they know okay like I got developed all these things because of this happened first. And then that opened up the door for this and that opened up the door for that. So it's like people need to understand how they got sick in the first place. If they want to really get to the bottom of why they are sick and deal with it once and for all, rather than just, like I said before, fan that smoke and feel better then feel worse again, then feel better then feel worse again, which is what I went through in my own healing journey. And I was like, what the hell am I doing here? That's not working. And it wasn't until like I healed this gut. It wasn't until I you know I was affected by mold. I was affected by parasites. I had, you know, heavy metals weren't that big of an issue for me, but I did it all. Um, you know, and, and like, we can't forget glyphosate. I mean, especially as North Americans, like we're being poisoned by an anti, you know, an antibiotic or, you know, throughout our entire lives. So now I, I go above and beyond to avoid that crap, like, you know, like the plague, because I just know how toxic it is to our bodies. But the majority of society isn't. And then they wonder why they're constantly sick, why they constantly get colds, why they their body and their stress is out of control, right? It's like the foundations are, are you know, their foundations of their health are built on a house of cards. So one false thing, one high stress moment, boom, everything comes tumbling down. Even if they're 
on top of their diet, even if they're training, even if they're doing what's necessary, right? It's crazy. Yeah. It's so frustrating. It is so yeah. frustrating. You know, like we were saying, our immune system and all of our biological functions, they only have a finite number, I call them XP points, right? We're constantly battling all of these environmental toxins, right? Everything from EMF exposure to glyphosate in particular. We don't have any left over to actually battle these natural pathogens that we had under control for a majority of our existence, right? Like that's why these systems were created to prevent against these nat natural pathogens. So it's incredibly frustrating. You know, I think that's where the whole like Ted Kaczynski mode goes where it's like, man, I got I got to get out of here. But um, it, it is interesting. I think also, you know, something that you brought up a few times is how there's like not a lot of it's like inexplicable, right? A lot of it's like not unable to be discussed and determined by science, let alone mainstream modern medicine, because it's so far behind. And I think we are bred or we are stuffed with this narrative that science is conclusive, right? That science has everything covered and it couldn't be further from the truth. A lot of stuff, and you know, with me in particular, a lot of things that I do, I can't explain rationally. I can't <laughs> verbalize them. Well, we have to understand Same that here. through the majority of our existence, like back in the day when we were taking these anti-parasitic herbs, right, and we were doing these cleansing protocols, we weren't able to rationalize those. The, the rational part of our brain is the most recent to develop. And, you know, for a majority of history, we were nonverbal. So a lot of these things, you know, I think you can tap into that tuition, intuition to a certain extent. Some can do it better than others. But um, yeah, a lot of things I do, I really don't have justification for other than it feels right. Now, you mentioned heavy metals as well. And we know that there is synergy between parasites and heavy metals. Parasites can actually hold, like, I think Clark Engelbert, uh, nutritional analytics, incredible guy in terms of, of heavy metals and minerals and ionomics in general. He was talking about how parasites can hold uh, a heavy metal load up to 10 times their body weight. So you are more likely to absorb those parasites if you're consuming heavy metals. Once again, we have ways to mitigate against heavy metals. Heavy metals are natural, right? We do get exposure to them, but a compromised digestive system will make you more susceptible to exposure. Um, what has your experience been maybe, you know, clinically with your clients in terms of, of heavy metals? What trends have you seen? What pathologies have you seen with those? I've definitely, I mean, there's so many different potential heavy metals. I think the biggest and most common one that I see people struggling with is mercury. Uh, why? It's because a lot of people who have mercury poisoning uh, or, you know, high mer mercury toxic load in their body can't sleep for shit. Um, mm. It, um, you know, and, and that's another thing. It's like when you, you know, and especially with the, the, the mercury amalgams that people, the dentists were putting back in the day, well, people have been just basically polluting their entire, uh, you know, their, their entire terrain of their body with these heavy metals. Um, I mean, heavy metals are usually kind of more downstream after you make sure that the opportunistic pathogens are dealt with. The optimal thing that I've seen work very well for people is you need to make sure that their drainage system is working right. So heavy metals only can stay within you if your natural detoxification pathways are compromised. So for example, the liver, the gallbladder, the colon, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people that are just, uh, very constipated. They're not evacuating and, and clean, cleansing their body daily. So what happens is they start recycling junk in their body. This poison just stays inside them. And, you know, these heavy metals can not, can't go anywhere where they need to go. So, uh, what I always make sure to do with all my clients from the get-go is make sure that their body's natural detoxification pathways and drainage system is working. So I trigger, you know, I, I give them supplements, you know, things like with, with milk thistle in it, for example, 
that just will get that liver moving, that phase one, phase two detoxification happening. At the same time, um, I love to work with Tutka to make sure that the gallbladder is actually not blocked up because you can imagine almost like the, the way I kind of imagine it in my head is that the liver is that that filtration system is breaking the toxins down. But at the same time, the, you know, there's a, a sewage pipe that has to be drained into the colon. So that's what the gallbladder is. So all this junk from the liver has to go down that, that sewage pipe into the colon, you know, and get excreted out of your system. So if this natural, um, you know, this natural detoxification system in your body is compromised for, for most people, it is because most people's gallbladders are shot. Why? It's because they're eating crap food who, you know, a lot of, a lot of like heavy, you know, heavy PUFAs, uh, seed oils, and this gallbladder, this bile production is completely compromised. So the body just isn't able to clean itself out effectively. So it's like you get a backlog of all these toxins back into the liver, back into the bloodstream, causing things like brain fog. You know, I've seen a lot of people who struggle with their liver have a lot of like irritability issues and mood issues. So the liver is um, one of these organs that in tradition, in traditional medicine is like completely ignored until your liver enzymes are off the charts and it's like already the damage has been done. So, you know, I, I think I try to, I try to reverse the way things are done. I'm like, let's get your entire system that has been forgotten to work the way it should. And then, then we're ready to start clearing out heavy metals. Then we're ready to make sure that parasites can be removed because if your drainage and your body's natural detox pathways are blocked and you start killing the microbiome and changing things up, well, it's got nowhere to go other than to into your bloodstream. It's going to cause horrible, horrible symptoms. And I've seen a lot of people before they come to see me, they had tried doing parasite cleanse. They had, you know, read from other places or they had done, you know, their own research and they just aren't aware that there's, there's a system that has to be followed. Like you cannot just go in and start changing your gut microbiome without making sure that the foundations of your gut health are well taken care of. So detoxification, for example, and making sure that you're having consistent bowel movements. So um, heavy metals, I mean, um, are they really the crux of, of the, all the issues? I, I would say no. I'd say they're just like, um, they, they turn that volume knob up and they make things a lot harder. It's, you know, and it's usually a combination of the heavy metals with the glyphosate. It's like those things are tackled together after all this white noise is dealt with and the system is ready to deal with them. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. I like that you bring up the gallbladder. I took Accutane and I think that was one of the probably one of the many things that has absolutely destroyed my health. But the one thing it does is it completely dries up bile production in your liver and it creates that stagnant bile, right? So it's about bile flow as much as it is about bile production. Like you mentioned, I like that analogy of the sewage pipe, but, um, you know, Tudka has been really incredible for me, um, focusing on my liver in general because of the damage that I most likely accrued. Uh, thanks to Accutane and uh, college, um, has, has, it's made me realize how systemic and important the liver is for a multitude of functions. Uh, you know, most importantly, thyroid as well. We hear about a lot on Twitter, you know, the importance of that conversion from T4 into T3. Uh, it happens in the liver and it requires optimal liver function. Now, something else that you brought up, um, which was really interesting to me, which I just lost after thinking about the liver. Um, give me one second. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> happens to me, dude. Don't worry. It happens to me all the time. 
yeah, there's like seven things. I was like, all right, I, I got two of them. That's good enough. But um, you were talking about detox pathways as well. And it's so interesting because I've been following you for a while. And I've seen all of your posts and it's, and it's gone down the list, right, from all the different organs. Recently, uh, you did an incredible thread on the lymphatic system, right, and kind of the role and function of that as a detox pathway in your body, as a regulatory pathway in your body. Um, first of all, what made you start looking there, right? What made you shift your gaze over to the lymphatic system? And second of all, what observations and outcomes did you realize of the importance of the lymphatic system and most importantly, optimization of that system? I mean, it was what really interested me to the lymphatic system is I felt like it was, a, it's, it's just in general, it's, it's never really talked about at all. Like you never really hear any clinicians talk about it. You never really hear, um, and you, and you know, it goes across the entire body. So I'm like, you know, I found that very interesting. It's like, it's not just a simple organ. It's a, it's a whole entire intricate system that is in constant communication with our, uh, our circulatory system as well. So I was like, you know, why isn't anybody talking, talking about this, you know, and, and then the concept of detoxification and how your body drains itself, um, opened up that idea of like, okay, like, the drain is not the drainage is not just happening at the liver it's happening in the brain it's happening in the heart it's happening everywhere in your entire body your lungs everything so how is it happening in other parts of the body well it's through the the, the, the lymphatic system so um you know it was definitely part of my own protocols in my healing journey um you know especially making sure because like in your lymph nodes where that's where a lot of your immune system is too so if you want systemically your immune system to be, to be in an optimal state, well, you need to make sure that it's not burdened by a, a slow draining uh, lymphatic system because the lymphatic system is going to basically also allow for the absorption of, of nutrients too by different parts of the body. So, um, you know, it was just kind of like a, a topic that was part of my own healing protocols. You know, I used a specific formula from Cellcore called Lymphactive. You know, it's a, it's a combination of a whole thing like slippery on bark and sheep sorrel stem and just all these different tools that are, you know, it, it's funny because like you, there's not a lot of supplements out there that for the lymphatic system. So, um, I just kind Fulvic of acid, used it. What's, what's up? Fulvic acid. Fulvic acid. Exactly. So the combination with the fulvic acid and these other herbs, um, you know, it was more of like, uh, I had to make sure that all my bases were, were checked. Um, everything that I, you know, I want to make sure that systemically my brain was, was draining. I felt like there was always a lot of brain fog in my healing journey too. Um, your brain at night has to drain through the glymphatic system. And so if that's blocked out, well, you're just basically recycling metabolic waste in your, in your, in your, in your brain day in, day out. So this is why things like sleep are so vital. This is why making sure that you're detoxification detoxification pathways are optimized because if your cleanup crew is 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 not sophisticated and is not optimal well your performance is going to take a huge hit uh and it's not just your immune system it's the brain function it's all function functions of your body so i mean for me it was a topic that i felt isn't really discussed everybody talks about you know the gut everybody talks about all these other systems but i you know i came up it came to me and i'm like you know i should i should share this information uh, and go do a deep dive on it and for me it was just it's fascinating it's like you know the, you, you'll never have a traditional doctor even talk 
about like I feel like they don't even understand what the hell the lymphatic system is. They probably do like one class on it. Um, you know, I know for me in my education, we never really talked about the lymphatic system and phys- you know in physiology or anatomy. It was like uh, on passing, you know. So it's it's I feel like that's a system that doesn't get enough attention, that isn't really well understood to be helped, um, and people would benefit from trying their best to address it. I mean, one of the most optimal ways to kind of help your, your lymphatic system is movement. And what do we fucking not do these days? We, we don't move. We're constantly sitting all the time and not walking and not, you know, so like it, it's dysfunction is again, a cause of modern living. So, um, you know, these are topics that I think in the next, you know, the next few decades, they're going to be brought back to the surface. People are going to make those connections again. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to try to bring awareness to that topic. So that's why I talked about it realistically. I, I couldn't agree more. I recently had a similar kind of wow eureka moment in terms of lymphatic system and how foreign it seemed to me compared to our other biological systems. I mean, it being like completely non-mechanical, right? Yeah. We have no like muscular function. It's completely based off of gravity and the impact that a sedentary lifestyle has on us and having a stagnant lymph. Right. Because I've always struggled with I've, I've identified the lymphatic system as being a downstream thing that I struggle with. Right. I wake up in the morning. My face is always puffy. My brain fog is atrocious. And, you know, the best way to explain it, like you said, is just stagnant stagnancy. And, you know, I, it's funny you, you mentioned movement. I was just out in the sun before jumping up and down, getting my lymph system moving, massaging all of my lymph nodes and activating and getting that flow. And I notice a profound difference. And I think the, the primary difference that I notice is in terms of edema, right? In terms mm. of swelling. And that really is, in my personal experience, one of the best indicators of how is my body functioning. When I wake up in the morning, do I have brain fog? And is my face puffy? Like those are my two primary indicators because most days I wake up like that and I'm like, this isn't working. And I think it's something that is particularly uh, genetic, you know? And genetics, they don't predetermine, they predispose. Right. So you're going to be more susceptible to environmental infractions. But uh, yeah, the lymphatic system has been something that I've really focused on. And it's so weird to focus on because I'm like, give me the pills, like give me the biological mechanisms I can toy with. But then in reality, it's like just massage your lymph, you know, get moving more like that's step number one, which I find really interesting. But, you know, okay, so we've gone through all of those systems and kind of those rabbit holes that you seem to be big on. It seems like lymphatic system was the most recent. Any other ones that are on the surface or on the horizon for you that you're like, oh, there might be some merit here to dive to dive into. My gosh, uh, I really, you know, I, I still feel like I haven't nailed down the liver. I feel like I'm, I'm there's something that I'm missing here. I know for you know for me it's it's it kind of uh, hits close to home because I know I did my genetic testing and I know my liver is just not where it needs to be. So I'm still kind of doing a little bit more deep dives into drainage function and, 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 you know, the drainage system itself, but gallbladder is still something, you know, it's definitely something that I'm also going doing a deep dive in as well, because, um, I feel like a lot of people are struggling, you know, and I, it's just a very common thing that you hear people doing is removing their gallbladder. So like it, that's a part that really frustrates me where, you know, in, in, in the, the mainstream medical community where it's like, Oh, this thing isn't working. Well, let's just chop it up and it's an accessory organ. So like, fuck it, we don't need it, you know? So, you know, that's definitely a topic that I'm going to be probably writing a thread on in the near future because, um, 
I want to say, you know, everybody that I've heard who's removed their gallbladder never got better. It, it just gets fucking worse. So, um, you know, I, I just, if I, if you could, if I could possibly make a piece of content, that's going to spark curiosity and get people down this rabbit hole where they can go deeper on it and, you know, not just go for what their doctor says and like, Oh, just remove it. It means nothing. Um, there is nothing in this God given body that should be removed in my opinion, unless, you know, it's completely messed up and it's going to kill you, you know, like, uh, I think the gallbladder is just one of those surgeries, just like the adenoids and, and the, you know, all those things that have been removed, the tonsils, for example. I mean, why are they constantly trying to remove organs that are necessary for immune function? You know, like it just doesn't make any sense to me. So definitely it's something that I'm going to talk about in the near future is the, the gallbladder function and just that connection with the liver and the whole drainage concept. I mean, people need to be aware of how important this is and how common it's messed up and not working the way it should for a big portion of society. So um, people are struggling, man, especially digestively. I mean, I think people, when it comes to digestion, they can take the punches a little bit more compared to like insomnia or stress. But, um, you know, it has to get really, really bad for people to start healing their gut, unfortunately. But that's definitely a topic that's on my mind right now that I would love to make a nice... Uh, deep dive on in the near bit near future. Yeah, it is ridiculous that we have an issue with some organ. We're like, all right, let's just remove it. Even though, like you said, every single organ in our body plays a fundamental role, whether we know it or not. It's like removing your hand for a hangnail. But I feel the same way about the liver as well. As we were talking about that, I was like, oh man, I need a I just need an entire book on a liver like on the liver. But then once you do that, it's like you can't just focus on the organ because that organ is intricately connected with all these other organs. Yeah. Like you can't discuss the liver without the gallbladder. So that's really interesting. You know, I'm excited to see some more content from you on that. And uh, also your next deep dive. I think I'm also going to be deep diving on the liver and lymph. But uh, John, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been incredible. We share a lot of similar interests. And I think we approach things in a very similar manner. Uh, uh, you obviously, you know, you actually have a degree in, in biology. I do not. But um, I appreciate you coming on, John. Everybody, like, you know where to find John. It's all on Twitter. Anything else that you're working on that's new? At the moment, no. Um, I'm just uh, in the near future going to probably have uh, an e-com store too for for supplements, but that's in 2024. But uh, yeah, right now it's just the one-on-one -on -one coaching. I've, I have some other, you know, I'm helping other people with just building kind of a North Star for them to kind of get their healing journey started without the one-on-one -on -one accountability. So uh, I'm, I'm just here to help as many people as I possibly can. And you know, start doing some workshops as well on things like parasites on Twitter, just get people more in tune with, you know, what I believe is playing such a big role in our health. So um, I'm loving the journey so far. And, and I mean, thank you so much for having me. You know, it was a great chat, dude. I really appreciate appreciate your time and uh, you as a soul. You're a really great guy. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate that as well. I'm looking forward to see that supplement company and some of those uh, info products you come out with as well. Thanks, John. Thanks, man. Nice.